again, I'm kind of, uh, I'm still in the beginning of Exodus somewhere. I don't, I, I'm going to be getting into some of the plagues today. Um, but as I've told you before, I'm kind of trying to approach it uh, based on subjects and not, um, not really going as much verse by verse or even chapter by chapter as if, if you've listened to what we've done so far in Exodus, you already know that, you know, that we've been kind of dealing with it in terms of various views, um, of, uh, of salvation, of God's eternal purpose. There, there are, there's one purpose and yet there is a multitude of views of that purpose. It's just how it is when you see the Lord. It just keeps getting bigger, but it, it gets, it never gets more complicated. It actually feels like it always gets simpler uh, and more single in your heart. But at the same time, you see that one set of pictures or shadows just doesn't get it all said. Um, it's like every time I was saying in some other group this week, I think it's like when God finishes uh, one amazing picture of of his of his purpose and his son. You know, we're left standing there saying, wow, that's just so huge and amazing. And then, and then God would say to us, no, I still have, I still have something else I have to say about him. And then he does this other huge picture of Christ and a people dwelling in Christ for, for his glory. And then we're, we're amazed with how amazing and huge that is overwhelmed. And then he says, you know, I'm still not done testifying of my son and he just filled up he filled up all of history until the until the fullness of of time until he had filled time with christ in pictures and shadows and prophecies and promises and then uh in the fullness of time he came when time had been filled uh when when time had been filled with a with an incredible testimony and that's what we're doing we're going through and looking at that testimony and um as i say uh probably uh too much but that's that's what we're about here that's what that's what i have in my heart um to that that's the motivation i have to do this class or anything that i do or anything that really happens with msf it's i feel like we all could say the same thing it's with one purpose and that's to know to know him in the light of his of his own appearing, to know him in the light that the Father sees him with, which is the the light of life, and uh, and 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 knowing him and seeing him that way is 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 an is a is a true participation in that life. It's not just a you don't stand off afar and look at him and say, "Isn't that nice?" The, a true seeing of Christ is always a participation in, in in the life that He has given us, which which is always another way to say that is an experience of the cross. So um, anyway, last time the, the the view we ended up dealing with last time is just this Israel my Exodus four twenty two, which I, I've kind of uh, called in the past the the key to unlocking the entire Old Testament. I know that sounds like quite a Statement, and it probably is an overstatement. I don't know. The Lord, I'm sure, could uh, um, very easily make that statement seem pretty. Um, I don't know, not complete. I guess. <laughs> uh, with, in other words, I know that from the Lord's perspective, 
everything I every, every like big sounding thing I say is is probably so small, uh, but I, I really do. It, it, at least in the last uh, several years, uh, more than five years, I don't know. Um, the the phrase "Israel, my son," to me at least, has been the, the reality of Israel being the corporate body of Christ um, has been has been such a it, it's really been the th- the lens through which Exodus through Malachi makes all the sense in the world. Why? Because well. Because one of the, the the primary thing that God uses in the Old Testament to testify of His Son living in a people and a people living in His Son, the primary picture is Israel. That's I mean there's there's a lot of things within that small there's there's a high priest and there, you know you can you can zoom in and focus in on a lot of things but it's all within it's all within Israel before Exodus you know there was Abraham and the land and the seed and Isaac and Jacob and the flood and Adam and all these other pictures but but starting in, in Exodus um, God starts to describe his eternal purpose using more than any other thing using Israel. And what is Israel? The biggest, I think, picture and there's a there's a there's a bunch, there's tons, hundreds or thousands of pictures of of God's purpose of in, in Christ and aspects of our relationship with God in Christ in Israel. But Israel is the is the thing. And I know, you know, and I said this in my um I I I said this in my recently in my eternal purpose class, and I don't want to get all into it. If you, if you want to hear more about it, you can you can go to there and listen to the teaching that's there called Israel, my son. But I know that it's somewhat controversial the, uh, these days to 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 say that Israel is my son, <laughs> to, to, to say what it says in the Bible, to say that he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This quote, the Bible, about Israel is is controversial, unfortunately, because uh, because much of the church has their eyes fixed on a national, a, a, nat, a national movement, a natural land, a natural people. Um, in the Middle East right now, and 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 most people think that that is so. Uh, even though, and and I used to be, I used to be very much into that whole thing too. And I don't know how I was because the Bible just gives you no, ex- except for just the natural excitement of being a part of something that you call the end of the world or whatever. Or, the Bible doesn't really give you room to do that. It, it says there's no such thing as a Jew or a Gentile in Christ. It 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 sums up all the promises to Israel in Christ. It it says that there is no longer distinctions in the flesh, not even male or female. It says that the true Jew is one inwardly. It it, it, it and and if you didn't miss the if you missed the fact that the whole thing was a bunch of pictures and types and shadows, God wiped them off the earth. In 70 AD, 40 years after Christ's uh, resurrection, just like Jesus said he would. And then Paul starts to relate to the corporate spiritual body of Christ as the Israel of God. 
and I don't want to argue with anyone about that. I really don't. I, I don't have it in my heart to do that. It, 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 I just, I just feel like, um, I, I just feel like it's a, it's a big distraction for a lot of people. It's, it's so hugely important to people these days. I, I someone uh, that I know well has actually got their blood tested to see if they have any Jewish blood in them because they want to be a part of these end time promises to the Jewish people and all that stuff and and um I just think that that's really silly especially since flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of God um Israel and and, and it's not and I'm not even saying that God first was interested in the Jews and now he's interested in the church which is what they call replacement theology it's it's never been about the Jews and it's never been about Gentiles. It's about Christ and it was about a people living in Christ in types and shadows and now it's about a people living in Christ in spirit and truth. It's always been about Christ. Christ has always been, Israel has always been my son, even my firstborn. In the Old Covenant, according to the natural pictures and the New Covenant, according to the spiritual substance. But it's always been Christ-centered. There was a land, there was a natural people that they carried the pattern and carried the prophecies and carried the types and shadows and now there is a spiritual people that that should be growing up in and realizing knowing experiencing the fulfillment of all those types and shadows so that's about all i'm going to say on that i said more about that in the other class but i um I, i'll tell you um i i used to go to all these israel conferences and things and used to, i don't know if you guys ever got into that stuff i did and used to, you know, blow the shofar with the best of them. And, um, and I, I, I remember talking to the, the person that, that was witnessing to me about the cross back a number of years ago, witnessing me about these things that I'm trying to share with you now. He, he was really kind. I, I really appreciate, I was thinking about this today, actually. Uh, he, he was really, um, he, he let me just spew all my Israel stuff all over him one day. And then, and then I said, well, don't you, I mean, how do you argue against what I just said? And, um, and, uh, and he said, uh, well, and he just took me to Romans and Romans two, Romans four, Romans nine, Galatians three, all these different places. And just said, well, this is like what the Bible says. And, and that was actually for me, uh, the beginning of realizing how, incredibly man-centered I was in all of my understanding of scripture, which was no understanding at all, which was just a bunch of lies. But I remember that day, I remember literally getting down on my, on my floor in my bedroom of our, of our old house on McCarty. I remember, um, I remember saying to the Lord, if I am this wrong and this focused on man and flesh, in, in, in this one area. Cause I realized it. I, I just, I just, I realized I was wrong. I realized that, that's just wrong. I wasn't just inaccurate. I was completely focused on the wrong man. And I, and I said to the Lord, uh, hey Lord, if I'm this wrong about this, how many other things am I equally wrong and man centered about? And that was really the beginning of, um, uh, of, of a really wonderful and hard time for me, but um, at any rate, God has had one thing in his heart from the beginning, 
he didn't have one thing and then it changed and then he did another dispensation and then he changed it again and he tried something else and then he finally at the end of it brought Jesus and then now there's this other dispensation and now there's there's coming a future dispensation. He had one single purpose and that was to exalt his son in and through a living body or kingdom or bride that is joined to him and bears his glory and increase and fragrance before the Father. That's, that's a very small sentence, but, but that's, it's that, it's Christ. And friends, it's always been Christ. And man has tried to, um, become the star role in that, in that eternal purpose in a thousand different ways, and we call those things theologies. <laughs> Uh, but, but you can't do it. It's not about, it, it, it is, it, it's about you. It, it, it's not about you. It's about him, but you are involved as the recipient and, and benefactor. I mean, you, you're the, you're the beneficiary of the glorifying of Christ. You get to bear that glory, but it's his glory. And so, one of the huge pictures in Exodus is this reality that God put a seed into this hostile land and it died there and 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 through it's like he put a seed into a womb and it's it it started to grow and then there was the birth of this corporate son the 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 womb travailed, the earth travailed, and bursting out of this womb of, of death came forth, not just a head. A head, I don't know that a head's ever just been born. I mean, a head is always attached to a body. I mean, maybe it's happened. I don't know. I just saw uh, on the news that there was a cyclops albino shark that they found. You know, strange things, I guess, have been born, but, um, but, the head came out with a body and 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 the the body is attached to the head and the whole thing is 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 what god calls israel my son and every time god speaks of israel my son it's this corporate thing or israel really israel just israel is this corporate thing that grows and bears the the glory of him and that's what happened, you know, what happened with Jacob. Where did Israel start? It started with one man going into a hostile land with just a staff in his hand, coming out after wrestling with man and wrestling with God, coming out of that hostile land, unable to be followed by, by Laban because the Lord put a division between them, coming out and then after wrestling with man and with God, he says, your name has just changed. You're not just one man who crossed over this river into this land. You're now two whole companies coming forth. Your name is Israel. Israel is your name. It's, you're a people created in the resurrection for my glory. You're, you're the increase of the one seed that went in. It's not just Jacob anymore. It's Israel. It's always, Israel is this corporate body of glory. That God creates, He births it. He doesn't just make it; He births the thing. He births it, and 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 it comes out through death. And the whole thing, the whole land travails together in ten plagues. And something is 
killed and something yet something comes out something dies there's a husk that dies and as, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies it, it remains alone but if it dies then then there's if there's a death then there's a life that comes out and 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 it comes out and it's bigger than the seed that went in we talked about in when we were talking about Joseph Joseph goes into uh Joseph goes into is to Egypt and 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 um well, even go, going way back to Abraham, Genesis 15. He got, there's so many pictures of this. God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you into a foreign land. You're gonna be there 400 years and you're gonna be slaves, but I'm gonna bring you out and bring you back to the, I'm gonna take you, Abraham, like a seed and I'm gonna put you in a land. And yet I'm gonna take the increase of you. I'm gonna put you like a, you see, do you see what I'm saying? It's this, it's the same picture. And all these stories, I'm going to plant you in 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 Israel, in 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 Egypt, so to speak. I'm going to take you, and I'm going to take your seed. I'm going to put you in Egypt. You're going to be slaves, and I'm going to bring you out, and you're going to be a mighty company. And um, and and, and um, well, that that's what's happening here too. Joseph goes in, and he dies there. But before he dies, Joseph says, "Don't leave my bones here. I don't." When you come out, you're going to come out. You're going to be bigger than when you came in. And when you come out, take my bones with you. And and they do. That's right. Right. Coming up here in a few verses and or a few chapters in, in Exodus. So God is birthing this 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 son. Israel is my son. And it's a greater body. It's a greater body than the body. It, it greater greater works. They do. Do they do? Uh, in the corporate body than they do in the single seed. Jesus even spoke about that. It's better that he send this, go away and send the spirit because then the whole corporate body lives by the same life that the single individual grain and seed were living by, was living by. And, and so what comes out of Egypt is, uh, is is the body of Christ. Now he's we're never Christ's. We are we are members of his body. He's the life, he's the light, he's the mind, he's the righteousness, he's everything. But every single thing that God begins to do. This is why I say that that one this one sentence sums up the the whole testament. Every thing that God does in Israel from this point on is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. If you want to, if you want to, uh, ask the question, God, why did you part the Red Sea? I, he, I, I think he would say, I was, I was revealing my son. Why did you bring water out of that rock? Um, I was revealing my son. Why did you make this altar and sprinkle blood all over it and then sprinkle the rest on the company? Well, I, I was revealing my son, you know. Why did you create this tabernacle with all these instruments and all these altars and things? Well, I was revealing my son. You know, why did you make a priesthood? And what about these feasts? And why did you have manna fall out of the sky? And why did the staff grow blossoms and, and almonds? And, and why did you... I was revealing my son. I I put you in my son and then I began to reveal the son that I put you in so that you would be obedient to, that is to say, aligned with 
my view of who you are so that you would live as you are so that you would know as you are known so that you would apprehend that so that you would apprehend that for which you have been apprehended i'm i'm, I'm dragging in some of the words of paul but it's the exact same reality he puts you in christ and then he, he reveals the christ that he's put in you and he does that so that you can bear in yourself the glory of Christ, the image of Christ, that you can be conformed to the image of Christ. That's exactly, guys, that's exactly what he did in Israel. He created, he birthed Israel, my son, and then he revealed the life of that son, which was Christ. And every single law and sacrifice and purification rite and sprinkling and dashing of this and that and ceremony and everything was was nothing other than the great the glorious revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that he Jesus just comes and and he just he has really one primary thing to say to all Israel I am I'm everything you've ever heard of I'm everything you've ever read about I'm all of it it all testifies of me all of it which part pick one you know Pick a, pick a part. Well, well, I'll show you how it testifies of me. I think that's kind of what he did on the road to Emmaus with those guys and their hearts burned within them. You know, pick, pick anything. I'll tell you how it talks about the Messiah, the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories to follow. It's all right there. Anything you want to pick. My heart's been on the prophets recently. I, I, I can't, I just keep reading Isaiah and I keep seeing the day of the Lord in which uh, there's a perfect judgment and the, and and, a, and an incredible glory. It's it's all in the same day. It's all in the same light. It's all in Christ. And but you could go anywhere, anywhere at all, and and God has been revealing His Son. And I just, guys, I don't know about you, but I just love that it's just so single. It's so clean and 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 it's so free of all of the uh, man-centered Adamic junk that we are always trying to. Add to it, you know. You listen to, uh, you listen to a, 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 a teaching these days, and, and nine times out of ten, it seems like it's trying to get you to use Jesus to gain something for yourself instead of just fixing your soul on Jesus, who is everything God has given you. Well, okay, I'm off on several rabbit trails. Israel is my son. Is is the identity of the corporate people that were that were baptized into the death of the Lamb, raised up with him, come out with him in the morning in, in the light of a new day, and cross out of that land as an unleavened loaf. Israel is my son. Is this corporate people who have a new life and a new high priest and a new light and a new covenant and a new everything? And. If you're ever going to understand why God put a serpent on a staff and stuck it in the middle of a people that got bit by snakes, that's never going to make sense to you. That's never going to have any meaning to you until that is in your heart the revealing of Jesus Christ. Because that's exactly what it is. Jesus himself said that. John chapter 3. He said that was me. You're never ever going to understand why they had to Take a bird, kill it inside of a broken vessel, sprinkle the blood on another bird, and then let that other bird go out of the vessel bearing the blood as a way for you to get back into the camp 
after you've gotten leprosy. Now, that's a weird thing. You're, that's never going to make natural sense to you. But that is going to come into view as the revealing of Jesus Christ. That's going to be the way that the vessel is cleansed. That's going to be the way that you, your leprosy is removed and you come back into fellowship with his tabernacle and his people. It's, it's going to make sense that way. You're never going to understand the cloud, the blood, the altar, the ark, the veil. You're never going to understand, understand the boundary marks around that mountain, the oven that burned on top of it, the going up into the mountain and eating and drinking with God. You're never going to understand the entrance into the land of Canaan, the increase, the, 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 the wars, the bloodshed in, in Canaan. You're never going to understand any of that. It's going to be a bunch of historical lessons or life morals or whatever you think it is until it becomes in your heart the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you're going to understand that God is trying to reveal that same Jesus Christ in you as the bread of life, the altar of incense, the torn veil, the high priest, the serpent on a staff. I mean, all of these things are going to be your your experience as Christ is revealed in you. So that that I just I don't know I I get kind of worked up about all that because I love I love the I love the testimony now I love Exodus I love Leviticus I love it I love it because. I don't understand much of it, but what I have come to see, it's all the same. It's different views of Christ revealed in me. And the Spirit of God awakens my heart to those things, and and, and I recognize them in the testimony, and I see that God's always been speaking of one thing. The only thing of... Of course, God would speak words about His Word. He, He has testified of His Son, and He's done a really good job of it. And that's what this class is all about. So, okay. Um, all right. The ten plagues. Um, I don't. I don't. I wish I understood this better. This is. Uh, I, I have a few things I want to say here, but I, I don't. I don't claim. To, I don't. I don't know why there's ten. Um. I. I, I guess my my general thought at this point, and. Um, and. Or my, my my general my my limited understanding at this point is that is that I well I think I can say pretty confidently that all all of the ten plagues are they're not ten separate judgments they're kind of like this enlargement of the cross or I mean it, it, I'll get to this in a minute but but I'll, there's no doubt in my heart I, I, that that judgment all judgments in the old covenant point to the cross and all judgment after the cross is simply a bringing of you to the cross bringing of your heart back to the cross the cross is the judgment of the world i didn't say that jesus did john 12 now is the judgment of the world when the, when the son of man is lifted up so the, the the cross is that judgment the 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 issue is um um is always you know what view of that judgment is being pointed to here and i don't i don't i can't i can't in other words i can't tell you the distinction between the frogs and the flies and the hail i wish i could i don't i don't see that very clearly um but i i think i can say that he, that in these 10 plagues you see a judgment of god that is both 
uh, the the devastation of the firstborn of one kind and the salvation or the birth of the firstborn of another kind. I think I can say that pretty um pretty confidently. There's 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 a big group of judge or God's it's almost like a, you know like I said I think at the very beginning of this class I don't know 2 years ago whenever it was I I always kind of picture you know that, that those guys in those um those uh you know, like like casinos where they take the big deck of cards and they they spread it all out like this, and then they they flip over the one card like dominoes, and the whole thing flips over. Then they and then they pull it all back up, and it happens so like that fast, you know. And, and I feel like God does that with Christ a lot. He just kind of spreads them out, gives you this bigger view, and then folds them right back up again. And and then he he because he, Christ is so big, and so he kind of I, I think probably these ten these ten plagues are kind of a, a spreading out of the cross. You want to see the cross? Well, it starts with bathing the entire land with blood. Let's start with that, you know. And so he makes all the water, even the water in the wooden vessels and the clay vessels and everything, the vessels and the and the Nile and everything. Um, it, it turns to blood, and uh, and you know, and then and then certain things come out from that, and and that kind of is enlarged. But anyway, going back to the to the bird's eye view, I think you can see here the one great judgment that is both wrath against unrighteousness, against the man. The only thing in creation that has created its own image contrary to God. You know, the, the, the caterpillar and the butterfly are, are still doing a really good job at testifying of Christ. You know, uh, the, the trees, uh, the seasons, the light, the moon, the sun, growth, harvest, the, all these things, the cows, they're still really getting the job. They're all, they're all bearing the image that they were created to bear, which was a testimony of Christ. Only one thing, only one thing has fallen short of glory. And, and, and maybe taken some other things with it. Um, but, uh, in, in the way we use those things, but natural things, but, but only one thing, in all of creation, has decided to set up another image that it testifies to, that has that that does not align any longer with the image and likeness that it was made to bear. Only one thing, and that's 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 uh, the 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 seed of Satan, the the Adamic man, the, the natural man, and, and we have uh, we have we have taken on a different light that is really darkness, and we have uh, with that that darkness um, become the the body of death and so god brings justice which which is judgment um and there's a huge judgment a, a devastating judgment in fact um after Pharaoh hardens his heart a bunch of times, God hardens it even further just to, he says, magnify the judgment, just to make it even, just to make sure no one ever stops talking about it, just so that it couldn't have just been, you know, uh, like my, like my Bible, uh, teacher said in, in, in college that the blood was really some kind of a volcanic red rock that leaked into the Nile or something, and that made all the, since it was, Harmful. It made all the frogs leave, and he had this natural explanation for all. I remember just thinking, thinking, "Come on, man! That's either just don't believe the Bible or do, but don't don't do that. That's that's just that's lame. I mean, you can't come up with a natural explanation for all of these things. Um, but anyway, 
it's like it's like uh, uh, Pharaoh was running down a hill and God gave him a push. You know, in, in other words, he was already hardening his heart. He was already wicked, whatever. And God decided to even um, exalt his judgments even more, so that nobody would uh, mistake the the. Uh, the greatness of these signs, the judgment of God on Egypt, the judgment of God on this natural uh, man, and and uh, and so he he does, and and again that's where I get I get kind of uh, lost in the like I've said before sometimes I get lost in the details I I, I retreat back up to the, the the larger view until I feel like the details start making sense, but you know, these ten plagues. Um, but one of the things I feel like it from the from the bird's eye view that I that I've uh, seen a little bit of is just that God is God is destroying one people and birthing another. Um, he's killing one thing, and 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 yet the killing of the one thing is the price for the purchase of the other, and. And in this story, there's two separate peoples that kind of play two different roles here. But in reality, Jesus played both roles. He was the last Adam. He was the one that 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 gathered all men unto himself and bore that the death. He was the first. Jesus became the firstborn of Egypt in the same way he became the 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 serpent on the on the staff on the cross. He became the curse. He became sin. And yet he was also the thing that came out from that death with the people joined to him. The, the death of the one was the purchasing of the other. That's the redemption price. That's the price of, that's the blood that paid the price, the, re, the redemption price. And God begins to talk about this right away. Right? Magnifying the judgment, right? Um, that, that's, uh, that's the, thing that he talks about. I have this, I wrote on this verse, uh, in Exodus 13. It's just a, it's just a, again, it's a verse that if you don't see a little bit of what we're talking about here, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, Exodus 13, 11, he says, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. Now that's a, that's a, that's a neat way of talking about the firstborn. It's the one that opens the womb. It's the first thing out of the womb of death. It's the thing that came out first. It's a picture of Christ. That is, every firstborn that comes uh, from an animal, which you have, the male shall, shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And so it shall be when your sons ask you in that time, in the time to come, saying, "What, what is this?" Uh, that you shall say to him, "By the strength, uh, by by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage." And it came to pass, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast, and both of those were part of the. Part of the judgment. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And so, you, again, you see here, uh, something is killed. Something is then be- something then belongs to the Lord. Well, you know, one one thing is killed, and the other thing comes out of the womb, and, and it's the Lord's. The, the picture there is still, at least as far as I can see, it's a it's a death that brings forth a life. And again, Christ. Um, or I guess you could say that both death and life come from the same judgment. Okay? They, 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 both death and life come out from the cross. 
And the cross is really in view here in all these judgments. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but the staff, I think, I can't remember if it's in this class or somewhere else, we've talked about the staff. Um, the staff is, is always like a, a picture of, of something, some aspect of the work of the cross. Um, and, and, and in, in these pictures, I think we did when we talked about Moses throwing the staff down and it swallowing up this, uh, the, the, becoming a snake and swallowing up all the snakes and then coming back into his hand. Um, we're going to see it a lot, especially now. All of these judgments come out from the staff. Whenever all of these ten plagues have to do with the raising up, lift up your staff or lifting up his arm with the staff in his arm or they all come out of the staff. They all come out of the cross, every one of them. And, uh, and the signs, you know, the sign of the, of the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the serpent comes out of the, and then, and then later the, 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 the staff, um, strikes the rock and then, um, and then the water comes out and then, well, right away the, the, the water, the bitter water, they can't drink it and then they, they take, they cut a, they cut a, a staff or, or a, or a, um, uh, a stick and they throw it in there and then it turns to uh it turns to fresh water and then this this the, the serpent on the staff and then the Aaron staff buds it's just a, it's just a repeating theme and, and i and i see the cross in those things i see a, a view of the cross uh, uh, um um there and and it's interesting to me um that both death Judgment and life, salvation, all flow out of the same staff. In fact, God makes a point later on in Exodus 17. He makes a point when he's telling Moses to strike the rock so that water will come forth. He could have just said, take your staff and strike the rock. But he says in Exodus 17, 5, he says, go before the people, take uh, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the rod, the rod with which you struck the river and go. And he says to, you shall strike the rock and water shall come out from it and the people may drink. And, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. But it's interesting, the, 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 rod, the same rod that he struck um, and blood filled up the land of Egypt, God makes a point to say, take that very same staff that rod and um and strike the rock and now it's going to bring bring out life water so um okay so so i see the 10 plagues here as a as just kind of this long drawn out magnified view of judgment of the cross not really a bunch of individual judgments, but rather a big, full, overwhelming, easy to see, um, hard to miss <laughs> destruction judgment of what Egypt represents, uh, which is death and him, you know, de- sin and death and him who has the power of sin and death, Pharaoh, Satan. And, in the midst of it, God is also giving um, Israel and Egypt, if you'll notice, the, uh, the opportunity to hear and turn to the God of Israel. God, at one point, it says all the all the Egyptians that fear the Lord put all their cattle and their men servants and, and, and female servants inside when he said the hail was coming. But those who did not fear the Lord didn't, and they, theirs all died, but the other ones were okay. There were some people in, in Egypt, too, 
um, seeing these signs, seeing this judgment, and and starting to fear the Lord, which I just think is an interesting little thing to put in there. He's he's giving this long kind of drawn out judgment, and and some people are recognizing the Lord uh, as as the God of of all the world, and um, and and I believe that um. I, I, I believe that all judgment, I, let me say this, I believe that the Lord has really only ever judged and only ever will judge or will need to judge one time. Or you could say it this way. I believe that all judgment, all true judgment, now there's natural, uh, phenomenons that have happened that God has brought on the earth, uh, before the cross, uh, in our hearts, after the cross. That I think are testimonies, natural pictures and testimonies of that great judgment. Or, 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 or God causing hearts to, or people to face the judgment. But, but I believe that all judgment is in the cross of Jesus Christ. I, I think that all judgments, whether you're talking about, um, the flood, or the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, or the death of the Lamb in Exodus 12, or the plagues on Egypt, or the Babylonian captivity. Um, there's a ton of, of Old Testament judgments. I think that every single one of them, in one way or another, um, even, th- well, I don't get it all that. I, all of them, in one way or another, are te- though they, they, I'm sure they felt very real. I mean, naturally speaking, they were very real for the people that experienced them. I'm not saying that God didn't. He did rain down sulfur and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. He did bring you know Israel into captivity and destroy the whole northern ten tribes with Assyria, and he did, he did all that stuff. I'm not saying it wasn't real. I'm just saying the the natural realness of it was a picture. Uh, of of a true judgment, the cross of Christ, where God made a perfect and permanent division between old and new, first and second, Adam and Christ, flesh and spirit, a a dividing, a perfect cleaving between these two, judging the one, separating it from himself, and yet offering anyone who wants to come out from the side of the dead can 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 pass from the one to the other if they are born of his spirit they can pass from death to life but the cross is the actual accomplishing of judgment Maybe that's a better way to say it the cross is how god accomplished it he put the fallen man and his fallen world and his broken covenant into his son and he turned his back on it. He he crushed it. It pleased him to crush him. It pleased God to crush him. It pleased him to put all of that out of his sight. I'm sure it grieved him as well to have his son be the container, so to speak, that bore that judgment, the only one that could, the only sacrifice that could actually take that upon himself. And, 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 and yet... It pleased him to put all of that out of his sight and never look upon it, never try to relate with, with it again. He, he, for a time, he had a relationship with the old man in the old covenant, in the old creation. He ended that relationship. He put away that man, um, and he started a new creation in a new covenant 
with a new man, Israel my son, and those who would be joined to him. And he makes that offer available to all, but you can't, the offer isn't extended to Adam. The offer is extended to those who will become dead to Adam and alive to God in Christ. He doesn't offer life to the Adamic man. He offers death to the Adamic man. And life is in Christ. Life is Christ. And in order for you to receive life, you have to leave the one and be found in the other. You have to come out of the one and find Christ as the life of your soul. You'll never find life in Adam. You're not even going to find forgiveness in Adam. You find forgiveness in Christ. In him there is, in Christ there is redemption and forgiveness of sins. It's not in Adam, it's in Christ. What he offers Adam is a new life through death. And that's the gospel we should really be preaching to the unsaved. A new life through death. Not just forgiveness of sins, because that's really kind of not right. Really, the only place you'll have forgiveness of sins is in Christ when your soul... See, Jesus, the way he said it was, if you want to live, you have to die. You can't save your life, and if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. You have to lose your life to to save it. That was kind of the the gospel that he was preaching to the people. If you want to live, you have to lose your life. You have to follow me where I'm going. Where are you going? I'm going to the cross. You have to pick up your cross. You have to die. And then on the other side, then there's life and there's forgiveness and there's righteousness and there's redemption and sanctification and all these awesome things that are experiences of Christ. But God has, uh, the way T.S. and Sparks says it, God has one thing to say to the Adamic man. You must be born again. And 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 much of uh christianity has tried to change that man and fix that man and redeem that man and forgive that man and 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 that's i think the lord he doesn't deal with us according to our misunderstandings but but nevertheless preaching it wrong i think brings a lot of confusion um so judgment i believe that all of the judgments before the cross were testifying of what God accomplished in the cross. That's where God really, truly, I'm running out of time here. That's where God really and truly create, built the ark, brought a people into it, and lifted them up high on a mountain while everything else was put to death. That's where God really did it. That's where God really took one man and his family out of a city, out of a land, and then rained down fire and sulfur upon it. He did it at the cross. That's where God really killed the lamb, put a people into the death of a lamb, and then brought them out and separated them by the Red Sea. That's where he did it. He did it at the cross. Everything, and then Christians... I always want to to say, well, the Bible talks about this judgment, or you have to face the judgment seat of Christ, and all that. And I'm not I'm not arguing with that, but I just don't think that any present or future experience of judgment is anything other than God bringing your heart right in front of the cross and making you face that as God's view of all things. That making you face face the the finished, perfect work of the cross. You have to face the judgment seat of Christ, but I don't think that's going to be something other than the perfect work of the cross, the judgment that was accomplished there. The judgment seat of Christ is not going to be something 
other than, in addition to the cross, it's going to be you standing in the light of, 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 of the Lord, the light that brings judgment, the light that is judgment, the light that shows you that one man has survived this flood and those who are joined to him. That one man has come out of Sodom and Gomorrah and those who are joined to him. That that one Israel, my son, has come out of Egypt and those who are found in him. That w- There's one life alive. That's what that judgment shows you. And everything else has been put to death. And you're going to have to face... Well, everyone has to face that. You can face it right now in your heart. But even right now in your heart, it's not a different judgment than the judgment of the cross. God is... We're supposed to be growing in that judgment all the time. That judgment's supposed to be working in us, becoming more real all the time. But it's not a new judgment. It's not a different judgment. It's not an additional judgment. It's just that perfect judgment of the cross that puts away one man and reveals another. It's just that it's that same cross that shows one man dead and another man alive to God. And you are found in the one and, and, and putting away the other. That's what that judgment does in you. It's an ongoing, ever present, ever increasing realization of a perfect judgment. The judgment that Christ did on the cross. And, and I think that after, I think after the cross, natural Israel, if you know much about the story of how, what Jesus talked about, how, uh, natural Israel was, um, totally wiped out, um, you know, Rome came down and, and, and killed all, all uh, destroyed them. I mean, just one, one city to another, ending up in Jerusalem, you know, doing the siege against them. Uh, half a million died of famine, a million died of the sword, and then they, Destroy the city, drag the temple out stone by stone, just like Jesus said, all of that. But I don't, I don't even see that as a separate, that's what God did at the cross. He put away the first and established the second. He finished the types and shadows and established a spiritual substance. He offered life and people wanted to hold on to shadows and pictures and self-righteousness. And so, the day that it dawned in the resurrection came upon them like a thief in the night and stole everything that they were holding on to. But it wasn't really a different, judgment it was it was just the day it was just the light showing them what the the magnificent and unbelievably perfect complete and full judgment of the cross and i'm going to have to wrap up with that we're out of time but um but i think that that's what we're seeing in the 10 plagues i think that's what the 10 plagues are, are really they're just magnifying that incredible work giving you different pictures of it different uh, perspectives of it, um, all starting with blood filling up the whole land. And, uh, well, I I can't get into that without saying a lot more. So I'll stop with that. I'll say a few more things about the, the, maybe the 10 plagues next time and and, uh, maybe look at a couple of them in a little more detail, but, and then, then uh, we'll, we'll move on to the, to the Passover. So let me stop the recording here and see if anyone has questions or comments.